0: Wanna give love to the city, that's a fact. But you're gonna need help if you wanna make an impact. Well
1: endowed, you want to be well endowed with the Edmonton community. Things really happen when you find that you're well endowed. Hi everyone, welcome to the Well Endowed Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Bonkink.
2: And I'm Andrew Paul. This podcast is brought to you by Edmonton Community Foundation and we are a proud affiliate member of the Alberta Podcast Network.
1: Edmonton is full of generous donors who've created endowment funds at ECF. These funds generate money to support charities in Edmonton and beyond. On this podcast, we share stories from the spaces where endowments and community intersect because it's good
2: to be well-endowed. On this episode, we find out about Kidsport, an organization that helps kids living near or below the poverty line engage in organized sports.
1: They provide financial assistance for registration fees and work to make sports accessible. And by accessible, we mean in all
2: ways, from transportation to equipment for all abilities. They do this through fundraising and by creating strategic alliances with communities and other organizations. It's all about team building.
1: Yeah, I sat down with Dana Hyman to talk about KidSport and why getting to play on a team sport is so important. Here's our conversation. Thanks for being here with us. Can you tell us a little
0: bit about what KidSport does? Sure, of course. So at Kidsport, what we do is we subsidize sport registration fees for local kids who live at and below the poverty line. So is this a lot of
1: kids here in Edmonton?
0: It is, yes. So year over year, we're supporting about 3,000 local kids. And what we know from an end poverty status that there's 34,000 kids, unfortunately, that live within the city limits uh, that live at or below the poverty line. So, I mean, 34,000 kids, we've got our work cut out for us here. Now, last year, I understand that you had to reduce some of the funding available. Mm -hmm, Can you explain what happened? Of course, yes. So we had to cut our funding back in the spring of 2018. And the reason behind this is because, well, I mean, what's really gotten us to this point of 23, 24 years in the community is some hard work from our board and from our staff and our community members and volunteers really hitting the pavement and, you know, um, pulling our socks up when we needed to and sending that money out to those kids in those sport clubs to make sure that they can access sport when they dream to play. Um, but what we realized is for the past three years, up until the spring of 2018, we saw a 30% increase in the need for the program. And I don't know what business could keep up with that without a plan, let alone an NPO without a plan. So what we did is what I've been saying, you know, we kind of step back to eat our broccoli and get strong. And what we did is we stepped back to strategize in a sustainable mindset to make sure that we can keep showing up for our families for the next 25 years. And I think Looking for that sustainability piece for an NPO is the unicorn. I mean, everyone's looking for it, but if there's a way that we can get a a leg or a piece of that unicorn to make sure that we can keep showing up for our families, I think that's the most important thing, and I'm so grateful, and I feel very lucky to say that our board and our fund development committee, our money tree committee, our our supporters are all forward thinkers, and we're all in this together, and we all really want to see kids sport be sustainable in the future. So um, what we did is we had to cut our funding per kid to make sure that we never had to say no. We never want to say no. I hand to heart will give up my salary, which isn't much, <laughs> to cut, <laughs> excuse me to fund these kids in sport before we ever have to say no. So what we did is we cut the funding in half to make sure we could always say yes to these kids. And um, and you know some of our families you know would call to try and understand what was going on. We would explain the situation and exactly for what I just said, so we can still provide that chance for every kid. And Parents, for the most part, really understood and like, awesome, we'll find other ways to make it work. And, and what we know, too, is that there's other groups in the community that we can collaborate with to make sure that our families are receiving the support that they need. Well, I wanted to ask you, why,
1: why do you think that there was such a big increase in the city? What's, what's changing and what's new?
0: Interesting. Um, I think the awareness piece of kids sport is definitely getting out there more uh, to our families and our donors, thankfully, on both sides of that. So uh, I think that um, the the need in 2015, there was a bit of a, a downturn in our economy. And I think that not only was it families who all re- already living at or below the poverty line but now we have new families living at or below the poverty line um, losing their jobs and things like that so we i I was born at kidsport calgary i came from there and we had the same we saw the same thing in calgary there was a huge spike in demand and and at the end of the day we just want to make it work for our families can you tell us about one of the families that you've worked with one of our past Kidsport kids jeff fella Came from Kidsport Calgary, youngest of five kids with a single mom who worked two jobs. And bless their hearts, so he actually growing up, this is a side note of that side story, is growing up, their mom's second job was a janitor. And in order for, they wanted the kids wanted their mom home to eat dinner with them so bad that they would show up at her second job and help her scrub toilets so that she could come home faster and have a meal with them. Sweet kids. so um, It's heartbreaking. It's har- yeah, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, the, the fact of it is heartbreaking. Sweet kids to do that at 12 years old. That's not where my head was at. <laughs> like, Mom, where's dinner? <laughs> that's not at all what I was thinking at 12. He, uh, the first sport that Jeff and his his twin brother got into was soccer. And uh, he said that, you know, they didn't have funds for for even soccer shorts, so they cut off their jean shorts into these little Daisy Dukes, and there were these 12-year-old boys running around the soccer. Just so happy with it, though, right? And anyways, they went from soccer into football, and one of Jeff's coaches just really— I think it's Coach Rose, I believe he talks about, really supported him and encouraged him to continue on in football. And what happened is Jeff ended up getting a scholarship to the U of A and played for the Bears for five years as their quarterback. And he's now a physiotherapist. And our donors, who supported Jeff throughout his years at Kidsport Calgary, ended the cycle of poverty in Jeff's family. And I think that's a very powerful, powerful thing that our community is doing. So Kidsport has been working hard to help families like Jeff's. At Kidsport... Our leading value is family first. So no matter what decision we make, whether it's cutting our funding to make sure we can support every kid who dreams to play until we have a strategic plan in place for more fun development opportunities coming through, then we're going to do that because that's what's best for our families. Our job is to listen to each other and support each other. And what we need to do is continue listening to our kids support families and our board and our volunteers and our community members so we can ensure that in every light we're showing up in the best way possible and what we believe that looks like at the board level, at at, at the organizational level, is a strategic, sustainable fund development plan. Um, there's a lot of gray area, which I'm sure every NPO can agree with. There's a lot of gray area in our in our world, right? Unless you make funds or unless you make money off of services, right? There's some great NPOs out there that have a beautiful kind of social enterprise system set up. But if you don't have that, then there's a lot of gray area and a lot of fingers crossed and knocking on wood and wishing and hoping. So um, that's not sustainable. (laughs) That's not realistic and that's not helpful for our families. So what we need to do is create partnerships in the community that are multi-year, create a a monthly donor program, um, host an event that we host in-house, we're we're really trying our best to uh, set ourselves up, and what's exciting right now is um, we just had our 2020 budget meeting, and not only that but our five-year forecast. So our big-picture goal is to go from where we were, just were in 2018, where we had to cut our funding, to in five years from now, from today, in 2024, to 2.5 million dollars for our kids and a 10,000 kids supported. That's our big picture goal. So we need to we need a plan to get there. Mm-hmm. And looking at our in this whole budget process that we've been doing over the past few months it's been exciting because we've seen the 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 hockey stick chart, right? So for the past five years before this year, it's been kind of up and down in terms of funding and kids helped and making it work and getting it done. And then the past two years, it's been straight across because we've had to. We couldn't couldn't absorb any more growth because we need to be figuring our things out before we can absorb more growth. And now we've got this hockey stick shooting up over the next five years and it's beautiful and it's so exciting to see this. And the fact that we've got such a fantastic board and committees and community members supporting this initiative, supporting kids sport, I feel honored to be a part of it.
1: So tell me a little bit about why it's so important for kids to be involved in sports.
0: I think for kids, it's important for them to be in sports because preventative measures create positive outcomes. So sport for kids is, I mean, it's a vehicle for kids to learn so many life lessons. Um, Listening skills, how to lose, how to work as a team, how to lead a team. Uh, let alone the physical benefits, the mental benefits. The when as a donor, as a community member, when you're putting a kid into sport at two fifty a kid, not only are you supporting that kid to access sport, but you're impacting their family unit. You're impacting the team that that kid plays on. You're impacting the community as a whole because the classroom, even that that kid sits in all day, because now that kid is is feeling that sense of community and belonging and getting these physical, excuse me, and emotional benefits about being a part of a community and a team. And that's immeasurable in my opinion. And and I also believe that, like I said before, preventative measures create positive outcomes. If we want a beautiful Edmonton in 25 years, we need to keep supporting these kids in sport. And hand to heart, I, I, say, I say sport because rugby was my game changer. I can relate to it. I understand it. If kids want to do, if their passion is music or drama, I don't care what their passion is, but if they've got something they're jazzed about, we've got to figure out a way to make sure we can supply these kids with what they're looking for. Um, So that's when we start collaborating with other organizations, the community. It's really just about um, creating these great leaders and citizens for our future by putting them in a sport and getting them active and putting them on a team to feel included and that sense of belonging that as human beings we all crave.
1: You talked about a couple of um, collaborations with other outside agencies. Tell me a little bit about Girls and Grit.
0: Oh, that's such a fun one! <laughs> I love the Girls and Grit initiative. So, um, the Girls and Grit program, we partnered up with Paralympic Sports Association because we believe. I mean, our numbers are unfortunately on point of, with girls in sport across Canada. It's like a third of the of of kids in sport it's only girls so we know that we wanted to be a part of the movement for change in this and what that looks like to us was collaborating with Paralympic Sports Association because not only when you're a girl wanting to access sport and stay in sport as you as you grow um, and there's all these barriers when you're a girl already let alone if you can't financially afford it and that's where kids sport comes into play Or if you're looking for an adaptive sport and you can't afford to play and you don't have the equipment for it, that's where Paralympic Sports Association comes into play. And Amy McKinnon, their executive director, is a beauty to work with. And it's just so great to work with like-minded organizations and human beings that really want to push forward a movement that's so impactful and powerful in in our community. I, I read a stat the other day. I remember this stat, actually. <laughs> but I, I remember reading that it's like 97 percent. I made that. I pulled that from the air. But a big percent of women who are in the C-suite have sports as their background. Right.
1: Just jumping in here to say she was really close. The stat was 94 percent. We found an article that talks about this number. It's in the show notes if you want to check it out. OK, back to our talk.
0: They played sports, maybe not competitively, maybe competitively, but it's creating these leaders and, and movers in our community. So if we can do what we can do and, and bind together to create opportunities for more girls to feel empowered to stay in sport and feel supported to stay in sport, that's what we're going to do. So our Girls and Group program, we work together um, to, to raise funds for our girls that are looking for support.
1: And how how involved is the Paralympic Association very involved yeah I know I know from our recent vital topic uh, that we did on sport and Rec that um, it's there's added problems with um, Paralympic sports because as children, Grow or to want people who want to try a sport. It's very expensive oh gosh, to get yes, into it, yeah, uh, because they need adaptive
0: mm-hmm.
1: equipment. Item, equipment and, and if they grow, then it's you know there's really no secondhand market and
0: even non-adaptive sport. Like kids yeah. you grow out your hockey equipment in a year, it's expensive. Let alone the chair that you need for wheelchair basketball yeah. and all the other equipment that you a need. Sled, yes, yeah, all ex- kinds of stuff. And then to transport all of that is another.
1: Well, that was the one thing that was a real eye opener for me is that even when you can find ice time for. um, Paralympic hockey or Mm -hmm, whatever, mm -hmm. um, getting there, it Mm -hmm. isn't always either accessible or transportation is not available. So it's really prohibitive as you go along. It just adds on and adds on and adds on.
0: I would say that's across the board, too. We know that the three biggest barriers for kids to access sport, living at or below the poverty line, and actually probably just in general, is... um Equipment. Right. Uh, Sports Central supports with that. We collaborate with them. Mm-hmm. Registration fees. I know someone at Kidsport Sport who can help you guys out. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and then transportation. It's the third biggest barrier to get kids into sport. So at Kids Sport, um, how we're trying to um, embrace that barrier and find a way to have a solution around that is wherever the kid wants to play sport in our community. We're gonna fund that sport club. We're gonna make sure the funds go right to that sport club for that kid to ensure that they can access it. For example, if little Billy wants to play soccer, but the only club close to him is the one down the street, well, gosh, we're probably gonna fund the one down the street from him so he can walk to it. Yeah. So then, transportation's not the barrier.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. There's a there is a number of barriers that we had talked about, and another one is that uh, two out of five families actually go into debt Aye. to put their kids into sport. Yep. That's crazy.
0: It's just, it blows my mind that it's why is it so expensive? I think that's another conversation we need to be having in our community. Where is the money going? Why is it so expensive? And I need to do that as well on behalf of Kids Sport. If I'm asking donors for their money, I need to be able to speak to where their 250 is going. What's their 250 actually paying for? It's the kids' registration fees. But what does that mean? Where is it actually going? One of our board members, uh, three of her kids play soccer, and it's on a free field with a volunteer parent coach. And they're paying, like, five, like I don't remember the price, but they're paying still and she's like I don't even know where the money is going because everything's free. So she asked and the money's actually going to support the insurance and the other things that the top tiers need. So she's like, "Oh, well then my kids are out of soccer. Like I'm not I'm not paying for that." Like so so we have to be asking these questions, right? Where is the money going? And why is it so expensive? 2 out of 5 families go into debt to get their kids in. That's crazy. Yeah, I think a lot of people are are um
1: you know they don't want to deny their children any of any course, opportunities yes. or any yeah i get that you know, totally and uh, as they especially in expensive sports like mm-hmm. hockey where equipment is
0: important mm-hmm. yeah it's as you get older it gets more and more expensive and you know something i that crossed my my path a few years ago when i was with kids sport calgary at one of our donor luncheons donor appreciation luncheons we had a kids sport mom come and speak and she said in front of 250 of us she goes thank you for giving me the opportunity to say yes my kid all of our jaws hit the floor it's definitely something we've never thought about like and, and and not that we've never thought about that of course we're saying yes to these parents all the time saying yeah you're approved you're approved but never once have we thought of like that empowering I mean that empowering piece to say yeah you can finally be on the team I remember hearing someone say like I can't even say no I just say they're on the wait list it's heartbreaking so to hear that, you know, you're empowering these kids, you're making an impact in the community, you're making an impact on that kid's team by supporting even just one kid access sport, but you're really creating an opportunity also for these parents to say yes to their kid, which is not something that they really have that, that opportunity to do. And sport's such a crucial childhood development experience that every kid should be able to access. So the fact that now you're providing that to these parents is beautiful.
1: That is beautiful and really shows your impact. Um, So I noticed that on your list of sports that soccer really is the top sport by far. Mm -hmm. What kind of Mm -hmm. sports do you
0: do you fund? So we have a national chapter, KISSPORT Canada, and then we have 178 local chapters across the country. The the beauty of working locally is the money raised here stays here, but also um, we get to choose what sports we support. So our board gets to decide that. We fund 40 different organized sports at uh, Kids Sport and we base that off of uh, what a national sport is. And each local chapter is able to um, pick whichever sports that they choose to participate or that they choose to fund. And one sport that I'll say not every sport chapter supports is dance, but we wholeheartedly believe that dance is a sport. (laughs) Just like cheer is a sport, gymnastics is a sport. So those are sports that we choose to add into our pool of um, sports to support. And I'll say like dance is one of our top 10. Soccer, like you said, I think soccer is our biggest sport. Again, our numbers are on point across the board with you know kids in soccer in Alberta and Canada. It's a it's a popular sport. The reason for that, I think, it's familiar to a lot of new Canadians. I think the cost to enter is like, I mean. I, t- I spoke about a board member earlier who had to pay to play, but there's opportunities to pay for play for cheap, right, for 75 and lower, like at community levels. Um, you can get a soccer ball and kick it against a wall and do your dribbling and skills, or I guess dribbling's basketball, but do your, <laughs> do your skills and, and training like on your own, right? Kick the ball against the wall. So there's a lot of um, access points for kids to enjoy that sport. Another one of our board members, he was in China uh, with his family a while ago, maybe a few months ago. And it has two boys, and they play soccer. And um, there was a bunch of boys on a field playing soccer. There's a language barrier because his kids that are like ten; they don't know the language. And and it, they said, uh, "Dad, like, can we go play with those boys?" And our, our board member said, "Yeah, of course. Like, go head over." So the boys ran over to the soccer field, and the other boys were so inclusive, and they all played. It's a universal language sport, right? Like, it's a bonding experience, and it's a it's a. I, when I heard that story, I just thought, like, yeah, like that's that's so beautiful to hear that around the world no matter what sport it is it's inclusive and
1: i think also it's very um non-gender biased like yes uh, you often see boys and girls playing on the same field Mm -hmm. Um, there's lots of opportunities for girls soccer sports as much as there is for boys soccer sports where you don't see that necessarily in things like football or maybe hockey hockey's getting better
0: yeah actually for example there was a football club that just uh, did a fundraiser for us which was so awesome it's great to see kids helping kids and they donated i think 750 dollars and When I went to go do the check presentation with their team, there was, I think, like three girls on the team. And I was like so jazzed to see that. I wasn't expecting it at all. I thought it would be all boys. But you're right. When you look at a soccer team that's co-ed, it's pretty well half and half. um, But the football team was only three girls. So, yeah, I think we're starting to infiltrate these boys teams a little bit more. So watch out for us. (laughs) But uh, but, yeah, soccer is definitely a very inclusive sport. So let's just
1: talk a little bit quickly to wrap up about how people can help kids sport this year.
0: Okay, so if you'd like to support Kids Sport, you can volunteer, you can apply, and you can donate by going to kidssport.ca slash Edmonton.
1: And that maybe would make a great Christmas present.
0: Yeah, so we have a campaign right now called Give the Gift of Sport. So if you're looking for a gift to give someone and you just can't find that perfect candle or, <laughs> or coffee mug and tea set that you wanted to give, what you could do is you could go online to kidsportca slash Edmonton. You can find our Give the Gift of Sport campaign and then donate in someone's name uh, on behalf of them for a gift instead and, and help a kid access sport and help us make it so all kids can play.
1: And I think that would make an awesome gift maybe for kids to give.
0: Yeah, to yeah other exactly, kids. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Well,
1: thank you for being here with us today and thank talking about me. kids sport. I think this course, is important time to my favorite thing to do.
0: <laughs> <laughs> thank you.
2: A big thanks to Dana Hyman for joining us. Dana is the Executive Director of Kidsport, a very cool organization that helps kids living near or below the poverty line get into organized sports.
1: If you want to find out more about this organization, like how to sign up your child, or how to help Kidsport engage even more kids, we'll have a link to their site in our show notes. And that's where you can also find our latest vital topic, all about sports and community.
2: That's it for today's show. Just a quick reminder for the giving season. Be sure to reach out to your charities of choice to find out what they need and how best you can send your gift.
1: And that brings us to the end of the show. Thanks so much for listening.
2: We hope you liked it. If you did, be sure to share it with your friends. And if you have time,
1: please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Those reviews are a big help.
2: And it's always great to hear your feedback.
1: You can also follow us on Facebook, where you can share your thoughts and see some pics.
2: Thanks again for hanging out with us. We've been your hosts, Andrew Paul.
1: And Elizabeth Bonkink. Until Until next time. time.